is that not one of the best sights ever? Like I just watch those kids run and go, ah, that's good stuff. I don't, uh, we can go home now, right? Oh, good. Um, well, uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. Genesis chapter 1. Uh, give you a quick update. People kind of got on me and I need to do better with this. Um, Bishop, we had his two-month uh, visit Thursday and he is now 8 pounds 13 ounces. Yep. Um, so he'll be eating steak soon from what I hear. Uh, but no, no, he is doing great. And then Meredith, the same way. She has uh, been, been doing really, really good, recovering very, very well. She's got a, uh, another month uh, of just being at home uh, with him. So uh, maternity leave and stuff there. So we are excited um, there. That God has just been so good and faithful. And it's just a reminder of his goodness. I mean, seeing that little guy born at 3 pounds, 13 ounces, and now being 8 pounds, uh, 13 ounces, 5 pounds. I mean, that's a whole other baby right there. Um, and so we, we are excited and, and blessed. And God is... God's just so good and faithful, and so um, I know I need to do better posting and letting you know. Um, so and my mom tells me that all the time too. Scott, you got Facebook, use it. Um, second note: if if you have uh, your phone, you can follow along on the app. I, I said this last week. Just want to point your attention to it again. Uh, I don't know if you like notes and kind of know where we're headed, those type of things. But if you you pull up our app. Um, the very bottom of the screen is a little worship set worship where that come from worship section at the bottom of the screen uh, you can select sermon notes there uh, and then it'll have just today's date kingdom uh, week two those type of things there and you can just follow along as as the sermon goes if you want to do that and a place for notes and and different things there if you like to do those type of things uh, but man I, I'm excited about the series uh, week two here the kingdom come is what we're going to be talking about and I just I believe God in his perfect um, uh, sovereignty his perfect timing is just uh, with everything going on in our world has set up this series and just placed upon my heart the reality of the need uh, uh, for this series especially for us believers uh, as believers because what God does is it just points us back to his truth we get in the word and we see what he's talking about when he uses that word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven and we're just going to walk through what that means the implications and what that looks like for us as followers of Jesus and so my hope for us is that as we look at this reality about the kingdom which is all throughout the scriptures. We're going to see the kingdom established this morning. The kingdom come this morning. My hope is that as we walk through God's word, he'll just reorient our heart all the more back to himself. That in the craziness of our world, the craziness of our day, with everything going on, everything that tries to buy for our attention and, and draw us away, that, that he'll just reorient us all the more back to his word and to his truth and to what real reality is what he's established and what he has done in this world and that we'll, we'll find our hope there in him and what he has set up. And so it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to have our attention drawn away, isn't it? From things that's most important. So my hope and prayer for us as individuals and as corporately as a church is that God will just encourage us through this. That he'll remind us of some weighty, weighty truths of, of his bigness and his majesty and his glory. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at the kingdom come. We're going to see as God establishes his kingdom, and then we're going to look at the intimacy and the depth that comes with that, what that means for us as he establishes his kingdom. So I'm going to ask you if you'd join me as we pray this morning, and then we'll jump into Genesis chapter 1 here in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. Jesus, we need you. God, we just ask, God, that, that, that in this moment as we open up your word and your, your truth is proclaimed, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would just do a work in the hearts of the people in this room. And God, for those that may be watching online as well, Father, that, that as truth is proclaimed, God, the Holy Spirit would confirm, the Holy Spirit would convict, the Holy Spirit would encourage, the Holy Spirit would, would remind, the Holy Spirit would draw us all the more closely to you. 
So Father, I just ask God that you just move in a mighty way this morning. God, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, thank you so much for all that you have already done for us and all that you have promised to do. So Father, we just ask God this morning that you receive glory and honor. And God, I want to pray as I do every week, Father, that if there be one in this room that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that's not a part of your kingdom, God, that, that maybe that this morning would be a great morning for your Holy Spirit to awaken in their heart a, a, the, the great desire and need for you for salvation. And so Jesus, we just ask you to have freedom in this place this morning. Whatever you see fit, whatever you want to say, God, whatever you want to do, let us be spirit-led people. God, let this be spirit-led preaching this morning. Father, we just pray, God, that you move in a mighty, mighty way. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your promise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so what we see is the kingdom come is found in Genesis 1 with the, created, the creation narrative. And so what's going to happen is we're going to come to verse 26 and we're just going to focus in there for a minute on the thought of an image bearer, the thought of who the citizens of the kingdom are to be to begin with. So Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, I don't know if you catch some of the verbiage there, but there's just some really weighty good nuggets here in the scriptures. As he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so those words, us and our, is what? They're plural. They're plural. So it's not just one, but, they're, but there's more than one. And so what we see here is the triune God creating and forming and fashioning. So you have uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all active in the creation of the universe, in the creation of everything that we've come to know and see. You see God here in this moment creating and making all through the Genesis account. And then we come to 26 where he begins to form and fashion man in their likeness. And we see the creator God, the triune God present at creation. Well, the second thing that we can see here just in verse 26 alone is as he says, let us make man in our image, image in our likeness. What in the world does that mean? What is he talking about there? And so the word that we have for that is the Imago Dei. That, that's what is known as the Imago Dei. And the image of God and the likeness of God. Genesis 2-7, what it does is tells us that humanity is unique among, among all of God's creation. That we're different and set apart as, uh, in God's creative order. And we have both material body and immaterial soul and spirit. And so what we see here in the Imago Dei is that humanity was created to have an image or a likeness of God. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's referencing here. It means that we're made to resemble God. That we're made to show this world the image of God, the Imago Dei. That's how he's created us. It sets us apart from the animal world. It fits us for, for the dominion that God intends us to have over the earth. All the while enabling us to commune with our creator. And so, so we're created and formed and fashioned in a different way in the image and the likeness of God. And it shows itself in three different ways. It shows itself, this Imago Dei shows itself in three different areas. The first is in intellect. In the way that we were created, in the way that we were formed and fashioned and made in the likeness and image of God. It does it in intellect. And so humanity was created as, as relational beings, as rational beings. We can think, we can reason we can choose, we can process. So, so in the Imago Dei, in the, in, in the likeness of God, there's intellect in us. We can look at something and we can process and we can see it. We can, we can rationalize it, understand at a deeper level. 
And then that feeds into the emotion side of things. So the second area that's impacted there is emotion. Intellect and then emotion. And emotion is just simply this, is that we can feel and experience things. As God's created beings, we can feel and experience uh, things like joy. You feel that emotion as you, as you process with your intellect and you take in and you, uh, and you understand things that, that moves you in emotion. So you may feel joy or gratitude or, or love or fear, which sets us apart from all the created order. And then the last thing that, that's comprised in this whole thought of the Imago Dei is intellect, emotion, and then will. Well, we're created with the capacity to act upon and do certain things. As we process, as we see, as we feel that emotion, whether it may be joy, if it's joy, then, then we'll, we'll celebrate that and we'll, we'll, we'll act that out in the will of doing something. If it's joy, it could be a hug for somebody, it could be a hand clap, it could be a celebration. If it's gratitude, we can uh, let somebody know how grateful we are or, or how much we appreciate. If it's love, man, love is an emotion that we feel and that we can walk into or fear. And so, so we're created with that capacity to act upon and do certain things. That's how God's fashioned us and formed us. He's created us in His image why? so that we would display, put that on display or would reflect and communicate who He is, how great He is, what He is like. So we are made different than every other thing in the creative order. And this is what we see here as we look at the kingdom come. We see the first citizen of the kingdom here in Adam as he's formed and fashioned in the likeness of God. And so one of the reasons why I was so excited about this series is because it allows me to really just kind of point out and just kind of go after our culture and our world for a moment. It allows me to, to look at and for us to, to see everything that's happening in our world and to, to process it in a different way because culture and the world will tell you that you should react a certain way or you should do this a certain way or, or this should affect you a certain way. And so what this does, this whole thought of kingdom, is it brings it back to the way that God created and intended for things to be. So, so as we look at the kingdom, as we walk through the scriptures, as we see certain things in the scriptures, I just want to point our attention to those things. Church, this is how we should react as believers. This is how we should feel as, as created in the image of our God. This is how we should do things as a result of that. So with all the issues facing our world, it allows me, it allows us to reorient our heart to the way that things should be. It allows us to, to look at and to process and react in a way that would, would, would do exactly what the Imago Dei does. It would resemble what God's like. It would show who God is. And so that's why issues like race and the value of life is not a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's an Imago Dei issue. It's a created in the image of God. It's a spiritual issue. And I just want to educate for a moment because this, this aggravates me and frustrates me so, so much. Because you've got to understand something. There's only one race. And it's the human race. That's it. The human race is what God has created. There's different cultures and preferences. But there's only one created race. And there's the human race. And how were they created? In the image of God. To be able to think. To be able to reason. To be able to act upon. To be able to feel. That's how God has created us. So hear me, every life has intrinsic value, immense worth. Why? Because it resembles that of the creator. It resembles that of the one that has formed and fashioned it. That's what is so amazing about the Imago Dei, being created in the image of God. We are a likeness to God. We are, we are a representation of what God's like. Not in the body, but deeper than that. Not the flesh, but deeper than that. We know that the scripture teaches that, that God got a spirit 
And so at our deepest core, we have the ability to, to, to show this world what God's like. And so when we have issues like race and, and, and things like that, we've got to go back to what the Creator has said. I mean, there is value, value, value in every human being ever created, regardless. And so the next thing I want to look at as we continue on in, in 126 is just this kingdom responsibility. Check, check out what the Scripture says in Genesis 1, second half of 26. And so this is what God says to the created beings, Adam and Eve. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we see God give this command to subdue and have dominion over the creation. To to work it, to do something upon it. He bestows upon man this authority to rule over and bring into submission the creation. That's what he has called us to do. He goes on in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. There it is again, that language. Subdue it. Work it. You have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is this kingdom type language. In, in this perfect kingdom that God creates, that he makes it, he forms and he fashions. Before sin enters, everything is perfect and good. And this is what God calls man to do. Subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. So this is just pointing to an eventual worldwide community. A kingdom where God will rule and reign in the midst of his creation, in the midst of his people. Sovereign over them, loving them, walking with them. Verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. So God provides in this kingdom. He, he gives to sustain in this kingdom. Man eats the fruits of the tree. There's no meat. Why is there no meat yet? Because death hasn't entered into this world, into this kingdom. So for there to be meat, there has to be what? Death. And death is not known at this time because there's, uh, there's nothing but life. There's nothing but obedience. There's nothing but order. This is the kingdom that God has set up. Verse 30 says, And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And then look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So so this is the end of the creation narrative here. And on the seventh day, God rests. And then we have the Sabbath introduced. We have this refrain that it's good. And and what we see in Eden is this picture of the kingdom of God. What we see here in Eden is is God creating and making and setting up this kingdom. And and this is what this kingdom is to be like. This is what this kingdom uh, will do and accomplish. And so here in Eden is a kingdom of, of order without chaos, life without death. The presence of God is made available. I mean, church, think about that for a moment, a world like that. Think, think about that for a second. I mean, there is harmony with God. There's no worry. There's no anxiety. There's no struggle. I mean, you have readily at your access at any time, whatever you may need. The presence of God Almighty there walking in the cool of the mist of the day. He is present and he is there. Food taken care of. Just This is what I want you to do. Subdue it. Take care of it. Be fruitful and multiply. Man, I mean, I just, I just can't imagine what that would be like. Man, 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 a world, a kingdom like that. Man, where there is harmony. There is no divide. There is no fighting, no bickering. Man, man there is no uh, deception or manipulation. Man, man only harmony and, and just a perfect place to be 
And more than anything, God's presence is always full and available in that kingdom. There's no more fighting to try to get to it. There's no more having to cut away certain things. And just the natural outcome of a life lived in the kingdom is, is presence with God. He's just always there. I mean, how cool is that? How awesome is that? That you don't, you don't have to fight through all these distractions. You don't have to uh, uh, go through all that, the junk in the world. No, you just you've got the presence of God readily available and there walking with you in the middle of the day. And you don't have to fight for it. It's just, it's just that's, that's what that life has lived. That's what it's like. Always full, always available, present, physically abides there with you. I mean, that, church, that's what the kingdom is. That's what God has established. That's the way that he set things up. That's the way that he, he wanted it to be from the very beginning. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2. And what we see in verses 1 through 3 is that God, God just marvels at his work. And then he rests. And so I think we need to talk here for a moment because we need to make sure we have a right understanding of who God is. And so God rests, not because he's tired, but because the work that he started is finished. He rests not because he's worn out and because creating all that we see and all that we know and creating man and woman and creating the birds of the air and creating the trees and creating the seas has, has caused him to be tired and needs to slumber and rest. That's not what that means here. He's, he's not worn out from it because our God is a God that never gets tired. Our God is a God that never has to slumber or sleep or rest. But he rests because the work is finished. And so in the original language in Genesis 2, this word for rest here includes other ideas and just that of being tired. See, one of the main definitions of this Hebrew word is to cease or to stop. And so in Genesis 2, the understanding is that God just stopped his work. He ceased creating on the seventh day. Why? Because he was finished. He was done. This kingdom that he has established, this kingdom that has come was, was perfect and right like he wanted and he, he, he created it that way. So all that he has created was good. And what does he do? He's finished. He stops. And then in 4 through 14 of Genesis 2, we get this in-depth description of God creating man. And he creates Adam from the dust of the ground. And he gives Adam the responsibility to work and keep the garden here in Eden, as we've already seen, to subdue it and keep it. And then there's just simplicity in the kingdom. Man, wouldn't it be nice to have a world that was just simple? I mean, isn't that kind of the world we live in? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've caught myself doing this. Well, how are you doing? Oh, man, busy. And like we wear this busyness as a badge on our, on our shirt because heaven forbid we're not busy. Heaven forbid that we, that we don't have something to do, that we're not always involved in 15 different things. How's life going? Crazy right now. It's just, whew, super busy. And I don't believe that's the kingdom that God set up. I don't believe that that's the kingdom that come. There's, very sim there's great simplicity in this kingdom. There's great simplicity. Listen to Genesis 2.15. It says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So he gave him responsibility. He gave him a job to do. And the Lord commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's it. There's no law. There's no need for law. There's one thing that God tells them not to do. He tells Adam here in this moment, that's one command, just don't do this. That's it. I mean, how amazing is that? How, the simplicity behind that. One thing not to do. What's going on in your life? Well, I'm just subduing the land, keeping it, working it, being fruitful and multiplying, and not doing the thing that God said. That's it. 
That's all there is. That, that's the kingdom that God sets up. Very simplistic, very what you would think, very easy to do and follow. I mean, how easy we jump on Adam, isn't it? Oh, that Adam, that going you, Adam. Eve, that woman that you give him, ah. Oh. And we will jump on that in a moment and be like, well, I can't believe that they blew it. Well, Christian, let me tell you, now there's immense freedom in Christ to get back to that. To, to live that way, to, to, to follow in his presence and be in his presence. And so if it was been so easy for Adam, then, then you stop sinning. Then you quit. I mean, we're quick to throw the hammer at him. We're quick to just to get all over him for this. All the while we have our own struggle to obey and follow in the simplicity of what? Just following Jesus. Walking with him everywhere you go. Just the very song that we've sung to take up our cross and follow. So quick. And we get to Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone and I will make a helper fit for him. So, so Adam has finished looking at all the created animals and there's none suitable for him. And God says, I'm, I'm gonna create someone for him. It's not good that man be alone. And this is the first time that we see God use this kind of language and saying that something's not good. And, and so I love to point out for just a moment that technically Adam really wasn't alone, was he? No, he had the presence of God. He was walking in communion and fellowship with God. But God had a, an even more in-depth plan when it came to relationship for man, did he not? And so I just like to use this to point out that, that there's a desperate need for relationship with God first and foremost, but it doesn't stop there. That God's created us with this need to have relationship with others. And so there's no, there's no such thing as a maverick Christian or a loner believer or a loner follower. No, 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 we need community. We're created for community. As you see here in the kingdom, as God establishes and creates and makes, He creates us relational beings. One, first and foremost, with Him, there's a, a need of relationship with Him, and then there's a need for relationship with others. We need to be held accountable. We need to be encouraged. We need to be walked with. We need, to be, we need all of those things in our life. Why? Because when we're left alone, when we're left alone, then we mess the kingdom up. That's what happens. That's what we see in the narrative of the story, is it not? Eve was out doing something and the serpent comes along. She's alone. We need relationship. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need those things in our life. And God creates in this kingdom that reality. And so what does he do in 19 through 23? He causes Adam to go into a deep sleep and he takes from his side a rib and he creates a woman. In verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Man, I mean, what a scripture. What depth is in that? There is no chaos, there is no death, only peace and harmony. Man and woman are naked and they're not ashamed. So God is not just referencing their physical bodies, by, but he's getting at more than that, their spiritual makeup. It's not the fact that they're just not wearing clothes. But what that means is this, is that there's nothing to hide. I mean, think about that for a moment. What relationship would be like with nothing to hide? No ulterior motive? No secrecy? No nothing, nothing but, but just pure unadulterated truth. And, and, and when I say what I say, that's what I mean, that's it. There, there's nothing hidden behind it. There's no trying to take advantage of. There's no trying to get ahead. There's, it's, just, it's, it's perfect and harmonious. There's no shame. Man, they're fully known. They are fully, fully known. Here's they are naked and not ashamed. 
And see, and I just believe it goes so much further than just the physical body part of it. It's that, it's that relational aspect that God created perfect. Man, nothing to hide. Fully known. I mean, think about that for a moment. What that would be like in this world. And I know it's prevalent in the church. Man, that we're so quick to hide from others. Man, if they just knew what I was struggling with, if they knew what I was going through, if they knew what I was really like, man, they have nothing to do with me. So what do we do? How are you doing, brother? I'm fine. Glory be to God. And we're just going about our day. And we're not connected to community. We're not sharing who we really are. We have nobody to pray for us and encourage us. Nobody to hold us accountable. Nobody to help us along. And so, so what do we do? Sin enters in it and it fractures all of this. And we'll talk about this more next week. But, but what is this? Is all of this is perfect. This naked and unashamedness is gone. In one act of disobedience, it's gone. Now they're hiding. Now there's immense shame. Now they're not fully known. They're not fully seen. Man, imagine a world like that, church. Man, where people know you and there's, there's nothing hidden and you're fully known and you're loved and you're accepted and you're a part. That's the kingdom that God creates. That's what he's getting us back to. That's what he longs for the church to be. Nothing hidden but real and open and honest. In his presence. So there's no need to hide from anything. There's no fear of being caught in anything. There's no need to pretend that there's something that they're not. Oh, man, how we struggle with that, is it not? Oh, how, we, how we struggle so much with the pretending. See, they don't need to try and impress each other or even try to impress God. They're just real unadulterated truth. Man, can, you, can you imagine what that would be like? No more pretending. No, no more acting. No more putting your best foot forward. Why? Because that's, that's all you are. That's how God created you to be in His image and His likeness. That's the kingdom that God creates. That's how God establishes and sets up. See, chaos is nowhere to be found. There's no deception. There's no pretending. It's just in the presence of God at all times. That's the way that he intended for all this to be. And again, I gotta be careful because I will just get into all this and we'll just get all eight weeks out here right now and I gotta be careful. But, 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 but as he creates and as he establishes and as, as he makes it, when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, that's what Jesus brings with him when he comes. This thought of kingdom, this thought of new, this, this thought of living this way, this thought of being this way. Following him in obedience this way is to bring that kingdom here on earth. Establish that now, church. We don't have to wait for eternity. We can do that now. We can show glimpses of what the kingdom is like here and now. We can be open and honest. We can be transparent. We don't have to hide. We don't have to feel shame in that. Why? Because there's no shame in Christ. There's only freedom. There's acceptance. There's love. There's grace. There's mercy. All of those things are readily available in him. No chaos anywhere to be found. No deception, no pretending. Just the presence of God. Man, imagine what it would do in this world if we brought the kingdom down. If we lived this kingdom way here and now. Man, what it would, how it would shake the very foundations of this earth. 
if we live this way? If we showed this world, if we were mirror images of who Christ is, if we lived like that created in his image and we, and we, we, we took that to mean something. Because what that means, the Imago Day for us, what that means for us here and now is the simple fact that for those of us in this room who follow Jesus, who love Jesus, who have come to know God through his son Jesus and have been redeemed, born again we're to show this world all of this we're to live out the image of God in this world to point people to who he is his greatness, his glory, his love, his grace, his mercy all of these things is what we're called to live and be that's what the kingdom is, that's the kingdom that God establishes oh and church, that's the kingdom that he is going to bring down yet again Everything that we've looked at, everything that we've talked about this morning thus far up in this series, his rule and his reign, his goodness and his grace, this, this kingdom and this perfect world that he has formed and fashioned and made, that's what he's bringing with him when he establishes his kingdom yet again here. So as the band comes back up, never forget in this kingdom you have the creator who creates and makes. And everything is perfect and right. Everything is perfect and right. See, God's presence is readily available and present in his creation. And hear me, for those of us who are believers and followers of Jesus, his presence is readily available for us today. At any time, he's present with us. You see beautiful and intentional aspects of this creation that was meant to function, how relationally with God as we image how glorious he is. Church, we need to be images today. We need to be images of God in this world. For us today, church, as the redeemed image bearers of God, we're called to bring this kingdom to the here and now. So as we walk out, we have great purpose. As we leave this place, there's great calling on all of our lives as followers of Jesus, as the redeemed of God. All of us have this responsibility to mirror and to show this world who, who our God truly is and how he loves, how he cares for, how he walks with to show this world what it's like. We're an image to point people to who God truly is. And so, man, my hope for us as we continue to walk through this series is that God, through the work of His Holy Spirit, would stir in us that great responsibility that He has given us. Man, that privilege and calling that He has put on our life to be image bearers of who He is. And it all calls show how glorious and how great he is. So I don't know where, where you're at right now. I don't know what God's doing or speaking to your heart. But church, there is a kingdom that God has established. And that kingdom is coming back. And that kingdom is going to be in his presence for all eternity. And so the only way to be a part of that kingdom is to be born into it. And the only way that you can be born into that kingdom is to be born again. And the way that that happens is through a relationship with Jesus. So if he's stirring your heart this morning and you want to know more about what that means, man, I'll be down here at the front. would love to talk to you more about what a relationship with Christ is like. And if that's not you and you are a citizen this morning, then what I would encourage you to do is this, is man, you go be an image of God in this world. That you show this world what God is truly like. That you live in such a way as to point people to the kingdom and the way that he's established and the way that he is set up. Church, if we live like that, it'll radically change this world. We will not have to worry about an election. We won't have to worry about all the crazy nonsense that's going on. We won't have to worry about a virus. We won't have to worry about all that. It will radically change this world if we get back to the way that God's created us to be. And he's called us to do that as image bearers.
So whatever God's stirred in your heart, this altar is open. If you want to pray, if you need to be encouraged, and we count it no greater joy than to be able to do that. But you be obedient to God leading this morning. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. Jesus, I pray you just move and speak in the presence of your people. God, remind us. God, take us back and help us feel for a moment the weight of what the kingdom is. Oh, God, what you'd established at the very beginning. And God, what sin has messed up. Father, we can have through a relationship with your son, Jesus. And God, you have, you have commissioned us to bring the kingdom here. So God, help us live out as image bearers what your kingdom's like. Help us to show and mirror all that you are. Shalom, we pray. Amen. You stand. They're going to lead us this morning.